0: Hey, what's up podcast? So before we jump into today's episode with Dr. Mike, the CEO of Ortho Live, I want to tell you about a project that I've been cooking on. I finally baked it up and I put it out on the table last week. And it's a freelancing job board, primarily for sales and marketing professionals. If you're even going to need the role full time. So freelancing i think is going to be a great answer for both sides of the party so i want to jump into it i want to take my place in it and really try to give you guys value and try to create some opportunities and create a marketplace so you guys can easily find each other so with that said go over to salesculture.work and register for your account you can post a free job there you can also create a free profile so you can get noticed there as well for all your work so i'm looking for vas i'm looking for digital marketers i'm looking for salespeople. whatever your lane is if you're skill set is tied to growing a company, boom, I want you on the platform, I'd love to talk to you, and I'm going to get behind you and pump you guys hard over the next 90 days. I'm going to be doing a lot of work just trying to get you guys incorporated in my email, so if there's a job, I'll plug it, I'll plug you guys away on the podcast starting next week, so please, go to salesculture.org, create a profile, post a job, post what you do, your resume, whatever. All right, so I want to get into today's conversation with Dr. Mike He is a board-certified orthopedic surgeon, and he's the CEO of OrthoLive. And this is a really interesting take on doing the telemedicine approach. So these guys are really specialized in being able to do online consultations pre- and post-operation, right? So as you guys probably know and you guys probably see, people are avoiding going to hospitals. They're really trying to avoid going into doctor's offices. But with all the recent changes in regulations of the past, let's call it four or five months, ever since COVID, man, now doctors can get paid, basically, without having to be in the office so they can take on those telemedicine visits. Before, it didn't make sense because they had to be present in the office just to be able to take advantage of it. Now, luckily, Ortho Live was already positioned years in advance for this move. And so as soon as COVID hit, Man, their demand went through the roof. And so, man, I really, I'm really glad I had a second to kind of carve out of Dr. Mike's time so we can talk about all the different happenings that's happening around telemedicine, as well as where he sees, this, sees healthcare going in the future. And with all the regulations, you just never know how it's going to play out. But I think that on-demand health and his virtual, virtual visits basically going forward is going to be the movement. All right, let's get into today's show with Dr. Mike, the CEO of, of Ortho Live. Thank you so much for blocking off
1: some time on this Thursday so we can chat, man. Welcome to the show. Absolutely. Thank, thanks so much for having me. appreciate uh, Appreciate being on.
0: You know what? So this is a really crazy time in the world, right? Especially on healthcare. I'm yeah. in the space more so towards medical device side, and so you know, most of my clients seeing patient volumes drop. Uh, they're they're concerned about their future, the cash flow issues. You know, they're thinking about insurance plans. Are they going to cover some of their, you know, current, like, treatment plans that they've been doing for years now, and um, there's a lot of unanswered questions out there, man, so, uh, you know, I'm really glad that you're trying to work to actually try to solve some of them. Thank you.
1: (laughs) Oh, thanks. I mean, it is, it is crazy. I mean, a few months ago, no one really, um, you know, knew what was coming, you know, it's sort of like, oh, we heard about this thing, and, and, you know, it was going to be, going to be bad, uh, potentially, but we didn't really know how bad it was going to be, and then, all of a sudden, all of our lives were like upended by this thing. And, you know, people had to react and change the way they were doing things. And and nobody's been comfortable. It's all been, you know, done in a rush. And, you know, rules are changing. I mean, it's been a really uh, hard thing, I think, for a lot of people to adjust to. But yeah, things, things have changed. And um, people are trying to roll with the punches. <laughs>
0: And trust me, man, I definitely love it too. I mean, so, you know, I'm, I definitely want to let the whole audience know that you are the founder of Ortho Live. And, you know, I, I just love people that are trying to, you know, create something positive around healthcare. And I think that's really going to come from a lot of us entrepreneurs that are in it and trying to figure things out and, and you know, just try to jump, you know, just trying to get a jump on things, not waiting for the government to kind of feed us, right?
1: Absolutely. Yeah, uh, I mean, yeah. so- I mean ortho. Go ahead. I mean, I, I for me, OrthoLive was like a way to try to help people in the midst of that crisis. And, um, you know, I'm glad it did. It's something we had around for a while. But when the crisis came, mm-hmm. it really um, got sort of shot into the stratosphere. And, and I felt good because we were able to help physicians and patients. And it was nice, you know. So I was, I was really happy to be there at the Perfect. right time.
0: Absolutely, man. Perfect timing, I would say. And so are you still practicing now? Are you still an actual
1: orthopedic yeah, surgeon? Uh, I am. I still. I still work as an orthopedic surgeon. Wow. I um, kind of like. I do this daytime, um, you know, orthopedic surgeon thing. I work probably really about sixty percent of my time is spent as an orthopedic surgeon, and the other forty percent is is a CEO of a tech company. And it's been uh, a wild, you know, ride. And I've been doing it for four years now. So I feel. I feel good. I feel comfortable with it, but. It certainly has taken um, a, a new level with with COVID. Um, it really has required a lot more effort, and um, you know, I've got some great team members that that helps immensely. You know, I got a good team behind me, so that, that really helps.
0: I mean, Mike, man, so you must just love torture, I mean, because you're you're already like a straight surgeon. I mean, you're already busy as it is, and then you said I could fit more in this plate, right?
1: <laughs> oh man, you know, I got some room. My, friends, <laughs> my friends always say, "What are you doing, Growy? You know, you got you got some problems, but." I just, I love being busy. I love the fact that I'm helping people and, mm-hmm. you know, that's what it's all about is, you know, you know, like, you know, as a physician, you just, you know, that's what you're geared to do. You just want to, want to help people. And I felt like this was the next thing I could do to, to help people get, you know, better from whatever was, to, you know, ailing them and, it, you know, put them in touch with their doctors. Uh, the physicians were able to continue practicing. So that that was great. That was really nice about, about what we were doing. So I thought it was a good thing.
0: That's good, man. So, all right, let's kind of dive into your, like, you know, hero story here a little bit, your whole origin story. Obviously, you're already in the operating room, but why did you want to leave that so you can go dive into the crazy world of tech? Um, could you mind giving us a little bit of your thought process?
1: <laughs> yeah, I yeah. mean, and and I I loved it, um, you know, purely because in 2016, my, my patients sometimes would come from a, a pretty far way away. You know, it was it was a uh, sometimes a three or four hour commute for them. Um, mm-hmm. I, I practice in Northern Kentucky, which is just outside of Cincinnati, but um, I get a lot of people from kind of a rural um, area, and so they would travel like a long ways. And so I do the surgery, and then they would they would go home, um, and and then they come back to see me like a week later, and they'd be driving like three hours. Mm-hmm. And I thought, wow, you know, uh, with the advent of telemedicine, I felt like there was some great opportunities to help them, you know, be. Uh, more convenient, be at home, they're not in as much pain, they're not driving in the car for three hours over, you know, bumpy roads, and then, you know, having having all this discomfort and then waiting for me for an hour. So I said, I'm, I'm going to see what there is for surgeons to utilize this telemedicine. So I started to look and there really wasn't anything that like fit well into a physician's, um, you know, daily schedule, nothing that really said, okay, go from this patient to this patient to this patient. And so I felt like there, there was like a lot of Improvement that needed to uh, happen. So I, uh, I just decided that I was going to go ahead and start um, Ortho Live, And I got a lot of encouragement um, from uh, someone named Milton Chen. He's a CEO of VC, which is a telemedicine company out in California. And he, uh, he encouraged me. And, and so it was great. I, I just uh, focused on getting the platform right and making it um, successful for physicians and for patients. And it's, it's been great. I mean, I, I've really enjoyed it. It's been fun.
0: No, no, I mean, I mean, I mean, honestly, timing couldn't be any better, honestly, like, especially with COVID, as we have been talking about. But, you know, I'm just curious, too, while we're kind of just talking about COVID for two seconds, like, why do you think, you know, we took so long to kind of recognize COVID was coming when we saw, you know, this happening, like other countries? Was it something that you think that we just kind of didn't think yeah. was going to happen to us? Or, yeah, I would love to get your thoughts on that.
1: Well, you know, I, I'll tell you what, I think um, we should have seen this coming. I mean, I I think, um, you know, there was good uh, data and understanding that um, this was not going to be just sort of a blip um, that, you know, there were things happening in sort of November, December and January that really pointed to the fact that, um, you know, this virus was progressing. And so, um, you know, I think we we should have, as a medical community, maybe understood that a little bit better. Um, but I think caught us all by surprise um, to the extent that it had it really shut down the country and so I I think we knew more Mm -hmm. earlier on I think as we get farther out from this we're going to find out that you know there was some good information that um, you know there was there were problems in you know especially in December and January so I I do feel like maybe um, we could have known a little bit more sooner but I mean, we don't, I don't really have all the data, but I, from what I've read, I feel like there is some inclination that maybe we, we should have been uh, maybe a little bit more prepared.
0: Sure. Sure. I mean, and, and, you know, honestly, it's, it's super easy for me to ask that question in hindsight, you know, like, yeah. you know, it's like a Monday morning um, quarterback right there. Right.
1: <laughs> so, yeah. So yeah. I, I, I mean, I, what do you think? Do you feel like we, uh, same sort of thing? Do You feel like we um, you know, we were behind a little bit.
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely. You know, um I, I was traveling overseas towards the end of December. Uh, I was in Europe and uh and, and there was taste of it starting to bubble then, right? And then yeah. uh a couple of guys at the bay started to kind of make comments late January, February. But you know, still it it is one of those things where um really easy for me to say that right now because at the time, you know, nobody had any context that was alive to say that, hey, you know, th- this is how a pandemic feels, this is what happens whenever you once right. you have to go back inside, I mean, there was no real, you know, experience there, right? Yeah,
1: yeah and I, I think, you know, a pandemic is, like, it hasn't happened in our lifetime. I mean, since, right. like, the early 1900s, there hasn't been anything like this. And so I don't think people really took it seriously. They were kind of like, yeah, pandemic, and you know, sort of <laughs> laugh it off, like, that'll never happen, you know. But um, it, it's, it's and what we did in the response is probably unlike anything anybody's ever had to do, even in the early 1900s. I think they were using masks and they were doing things, but I mean, they didn't shut down the entire country. Um, and so it's really been, uh, you know, it's the response I think worldwide has been unprecedented probably.
0: Agreed. Agreed, man. I mean, you know, it's really interesting to see how this is taking shape throughout our industry as well, you know, both our healthcare. I mean, it's given our, it's great opportunities. I think it, it's opened our eyes up to some things that are right in our face, you know, like, yeah. like you said, you know, doing, telemedicine isn't like a brand new thing but it's 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 now it's what everybody's it's like the whole talk of the town right it's what everybody wants to be into it
1: it is it's, it's crazy i mean we would show graphs like even before covid we showed graphs of telemedicine just you know going up and up and up and you know there were like 15 million visits you know in 2019 or 2018 and it was growing to like 30 million and you know all this stuff and we kept hearing that but um nobody really like said you know, we want to be involved in telemedicine until, you know, it was an emergency. And then and that's when everybody's like, oh, yeah, this is great. You know, let's get in on this. This sounds really awesome. Um, but it's funny that that technology has been around really since 2014, 2015, you know, true video based telemedicine, uh, HIPAA compliant and all of that. Um, so it's secure for everybody, but, you know, it wasn't really adopted to the degree that it is now. Well, you
0: know what? So, Let's kind of talk about the market a little bit now. So um, as far as docs, are they open to it? Are they, you know, are they reaching out to you guys? Like, hey, sign me up. Get me on a platform. I need this type of product. Yeah. yeah. How's the whole whole, feedback been?
1: The market has been crazy, Um, (laughs) you know, and so in March, um, we were absolutely slammed. Like we couldn't keep up with the demand for demos and things like that. And so everybody sort of rushed to the market, you know, got signed up, got, you know, got on a platform and they used it. And, you know, and and now things have sort of settled out a little bit because things are opening up. Um, we're still like, you know, we have a lot of uh, demos that we still do weekly, but it's not like the weeks that we had in March and April were absolutely insane. I've never seen anything like it. It was, um, you know, we'd have like, you know, 10 deals in a day or something like that. You know, it was just, it was just insane wow. uh, because everybody, you know, our, the word was out, like people knew we existed, but um, then they were like, Oh yeah, well I guess like we, we need to use it now. You <laughs> So yeah. they just jumped on the platform. Uh, but I think now we're kind of seeing it settle out and people are opening back up and they don't want to rock the boat so much and change a platform over or do something different. So for us, we see the marketplace is stabilized. Uh, but it's still obviously growing, um, you know, but not at the rate. I mean, it literally just hit a, um, a spike and just, you know, went through the roof for about five or six weeks. It was just through the roof. Now it's kind of still growing, but um, but, you know, at a lesser rate.
0: Yeah. You, you know what? I would definitely say that that whole early March time frame was a wild time to be alive, like from yeah. PPE and people trying to, you know, get masks and they're willing to pay three, four, five times as much right even yeah. even some really bad practices happening out there as well but but you but you know it is one of those things where um it was a moment in time, and if you were there and ready as you guys were, you could capitalize on it, and I'm really glad yeah. that you guys already had that presence already kind of established so you, you you know as we look at uh how things are kind of evolving, people are getting more stable or um you know but but we're still in it <laughs> you know yeah we are. we're,
1: yeah. we're really in it. And we might have, you know, there might be a second wave. I mean, I sort of feel that happening right now. as we look at Florida and Texas mm-hmm. and Arizona, some of the sort of vacation states, mm-hmm. you know, we're seeing these, you know, high levels of cases. And so it is a little scary. I mean, is this going to come back around? Um, Texas, I don't know if you saw this, but Texas today shut down surgeries um, again, again. Oh, basically. wow. Yeah. They shut that. down surgery again, just like an hour ago. And um, so I think they're feeling it um, and seeing the cases rise and they're just like, no, nope, we are preparing ourselves for the worst. We're going to. And so, you know, telemedicine, again, is going to be um, a huge deal uh, for for Texans. Um, and and we may see this roll through again, you know, mm-hmm. so. kind
0: Yeah, it is. I mean, so if we kind of think about that whole second wave that might hit. What's your whole thoughts about how your company is going to kind of pivot and kind of try to meet that demand? That's probably going to jump at you again.
1: Yeah. To, um, make sure that everyone's ready um, You know, for this. So, uh, you know, our, our, our main thing is making sure our salespeople are there, you know, and, and ready to roll. Mm-hmm. And so we've um, we have kind of expanded our sales team. We have kind of uh, improved ways of getting into to you know, be somebody that, that may need a demo. We have webinars now that we're, we're hosting like multiple people. So there's a lot of things we've done to truly, truly focus on making sure we're ready for the second wave.
0: Yeah, yeah, I love it, man. I mean, you know, it's it is challenging, but it's also very exciting because moments like this kind of shift everyone forward. And you know, where we were thinking, like you know, as you were just saying at the very beginning, it's going to take years for us to kind of scale up. I mean, now we're obviously in it at a much earlier <laughs> time frame than what people thought we were going to be there. Uh, but but what's the biggest challenges from the patient side when it comes to using tele? You know, I think the, the, telemedicine.
1: Yeah, it, for for me, what I've seen is patients who may um, kind of not understand like the, um, the, the things that are, are needed. Um, so, so like, uh, you know, you have to have like a, a functioning like audio, video, just little technical things like that I think is, is critical. Um, some of the apps and um, some of the, the things that are out right now, they require um, a lot more of the patient like to remember a, like a, a passcode or to remember like a, an address, like a web address Um, so what we've tried to do is just make it like super simple for patients to get in. So they, they use, you know, the app, they just put their email address in and they're, they're in and ready to be seen. So we, we try to, you know, tailor it to patients that may not be as tech savvy, same thing on the website when we have them use our web. And so some people are also confused about like where they can use it. Can they use it on the web? Do they have to have an app? And so there can be some confusion around that on the patient side and then bandwidth um, is critical too so um, you know just having good uh, internet or wi-fi I think is important and some people just don't they they're outside you know that they're maybe at a job or whatever they don't have great cell service and so then th- that that connection maybe isn't as good so I think those are like probably the the key features from a patient's perspective that I think make it challenging and then you have I think the last piece maybe which is you know, people aren't quite comfortable sometimes trusting the whole experience. You know, as a patient, you know, you're used to being touched and and sort of examined, and and you know, you tell your story, and then then you wait for the doctor to examine you. Mm-hmm. And here it's kind of like, well, you know, tell me the story, and then I'm gonna have you do some movements that might you know help me you know identify what's going on. And, and in the back of my mind, I've I've heard the story about you know rotator cuff tear thousands of times Mm -hmm. and so I I know when I hear it I I know it you know and and but patients are like "Hmm, I don't know if this is okay I mean I saw somebody today for her elbow and she's got classic signs of tennis elbow Mm -hmm. and I could tell she just wasn't on board with the fact that like I was telling her she had this diagnosis and she's like yeah you know it hurts on the inside of my arm and she's pointing to the outside I'm like well no that's the outside of your arm and you know and so, I think there there is sort of a trust factor that patients need to kind of like understand it's okay, too for um, for a little bit as well. I think that is going to be an evolution in its in itself.
0: I could totally yeah, I could totally see that. I mean, you know, because there is there are the people that were born in this whole space, you know, in this whole space like social media, and all they know is hey, I get on Zoom, I do a, I'll do Facetime. Yep. This is the world, right? Um, but there, you know, as you start to creep up the actual ladder a little bit, you got a little bit less of that. So there's a little bit more, I'm sure, questions. So, you know, and education in this space is um is is it seems interesting as well. Are you guys taking any moves to try to help educate the you know as far as actual end users? That, yeah, yeah.
1: We do. So we we send like texts um, out uh, ahead of time to like mm-hmm. say, hey, here's your appointment, here's when it is, and then and then attached to that is like a video basically of the whole uh, process. So they can click on it. Um, we have PDFs that we send in the emails, so they come through and then, then they'll see like step by step instructions of what to expect. Um, and then even on our website, what we try to do is sort of educate. We say like, you know, 80% to 90% of orthopedic problems can be diagnosed via telemedicine, just trying to get the word out. Cause that's really what it comes down to mm-hmm. is that that's how many of these things can be nailed absolutely without a doubt by the history alone. But even then we can order an MRI, we can help ourselves, we can get imaging, you know, we can, we can understand things a little bit better. And I think in all areas of medicine, that's kind of the way it is, but we do need to work on the education piece. So we try to educate not only on like the technical side, but also on the trust side. I think those are the, the two things that people struggle with the most is just technical and trust. And so you got to educate on both of those for them to really, you know, feel comfortable. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's, that's what we've done as a company, uh, to, to try to work on that.
0: You know, you know, it's so interesting. I, I got some interesting thoughts cause I, I just got done doing this, uh, it's like an hour long podcast where I was just ranting about how a lot of my clients should really try to build up their personal brands cause it builds trust online. You know, yeah, I, have huge. you noticed that like, that like lots of your docs that are on your platform are trying to kind of take that initiative as well Is
1: is that something that you're seeing? Yeah. You know, I think the personal brand is the way that doctors are marketing best right now. Um, and you know, the, I kind of like, like the fact that, um, people are using video now because video is a way to engage with people that, you know, wasn't around, um, you know, 10 years ago. So people, and people love videos. So if you, um, look at the platforms, the social media platforms that are like most successful right now, it's like TikTok. you know, it's like Facebook and you've got like a, a, an actual video that you're looking at. So these doctors are getting it. They they get it. They say, okay, you know, I guess my patients really want to see that video of me. And and I always tell people, like, talk about your kids and, like, what you like to do and, and all those things. That, those are things that your patients want to engage with you on. And, you know, getting the education is great, too. So, like, talk about, you know, whatever thing you specialize in and, and help people to understand. But I think those are, like, critical things that people are finally coming around to. And being able to get that in your, in your patient's hands, in their cell phone or whatever, however, you know, digitally they can get it is, is really important. So the, the most successful surgeons to me are branding themselves. They may even have a website. Um, I don't know what you've seen, too, but but that's kind of that's what I'm seeing.
0: 100 percent. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm seeing a lot of activity on like LinkedIn right now um, from yeah. a lot of my clients. I think it's a smart play um especially ones like you said that are out there just talking about you know life like family and hey today was a great day today was kind of it was kind of crappy this is why this is how i'm trying to work through it you know like all that just being transparent i think um is it's the best content right now you know because it's difficult it's difficult to really script this moment (laughs) you know Uh,
1: yeah. yeah i mean and and the reality of like um you know seeing somebody's like you know true colors like what you know what's they, what they've been feeling and stuff like that that's what resonates with people um, you know whether it's uh, on Facebook or on LinkedIn um, you see the people with the most followers on LinkedIn you know they, they usually have something you know fairly deep to say about you know what they've been dealing with um, so I think it's uh, it's really good it's it's you know it's a, it's a good way of I think engaging people.
0: Agreed man agreed so you know I'm just curious now so um, I, because you mentioned that you got places where you can get patients um MRIs I'm I'm assuming all that's kind of like outsourced and everything is there uh like a biz dev type of network that you're building up as well within the platform of other services and other companies that kind of make sense
1: Yeah it's so uh it's interesting you're kind of the first person to really like talk about this but yeah <laughs> you you're absolutely right um we partner with a a large number of groups um so we we partner with physical therapists um, obviously like you know, if you're going to have an orthopedic problem, uh, then you're going to probably want a physical therapist to help you. So we've been partnering with physical therapy. That's been critical. We, we also partner with imaging centers, as you mentioned, like, you know, people need MRIs. So we, we work with imaging centers to, to help take care of our patients. Um, we, we also like work with brace companies. So, um, there are bracing companies that obviously, uh, help our patients. If we need a a wrist brace or an elbow brace or, you know knee brace like we can get those to to them so we we partner with brace companies as well um and it's just like running a normal office you know it's crazy but but like uh everything that you would find in a normal orthopedic office you can find virtually <laughs> and so that's sure the way we look that. at it. we just said you know we want to make it as as great of an experience for a patient as possible uh we might get a brace delivered via amazon or or something along those lines um, you know, whereas uh, you know you'd get it in person maybe at an office, but but we handle it just the same uh, over you know an online visit, and patient's not waiting you know an hour to two hours or whatever. So it's it's great.
0: That's like super smart, man. Super smart that you guys are doing that because that, the amount of people that are looking for ways to you know network with other people and find JV partnerships or biz dev deals, whatever that looks like, you know, um, yeah. it, it makes too much sense because most of these companies don't they didn't have that that whole infrastructure there right so it's like perfect timing for that right
1: that's exactly right i think the more we the more we're able to connect with people that are doing those um you know other services the stronger we get so we're we're certainly trying to partner with a lot of people that that help us out and and also in turn we help them so it's great perfect man
0: so you know um got some questions about the future and a couple about your competition too as as well uh like how do you guys separate yourself from the other competitors? Because I know there's other players that try to jump up and I'm seeing, uh, you know, a couple of platforms trying to try to make a run. I know about one, actually two physical therapy platforms. And it seems like eventually at some point there should be a nice deal done through a couple of these networks. But I would love to hear your thoughts on these. on that Yeah. Actual so. Um, out there.
1: I I think, you know, we, we always talk about um, number one, like if, if you want to just see patients, um, you know, pretty much any platform is going to work for you Mm there. It's not um, so much of the technology anymore. It's really about, you know, the way that you are able to see patients and the efficiency with which you're able to see them. So I always ask the question and we kind of run down, you know, the, do you have consents? Um, You know, so consents are important for telemedicine. You know, do you have the ability to, you know, screen share, share images and share laboratory values and things like that? Do you have a support staff? Um, you know, so we have like people that call the patients. We can we have insight into like whether or not they're ready for their visit. And so part of our technology is that insight. And if they're not, you know, ready, we help them, you know, so we have people that will call. Real live people from the U.S. that like call and, and help patients out, you know, which is which no real chatbots, huh? What? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, There's no 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 chatbot. I mean, it's like a real a real human being, yeah. you know, reaching out to help, you know, somebody that's having some difficulty. So, you know, for me, that's that's a big uh, big thing that we offer. And then and then of course, like we have our network. So our network is really powerful because we work with work comp um, and kind of work with employers that have injuries. We also, you know, involve like, you know, we're, we're able to kind of, you know, help our, our, you know, providers. And so they become a part of our network and it kind of just grows upon itself. So our network is really unique. That's one of the things we offer. And then of course we offer all the efficiencies and the integrations um, and things like that, that other, other, you know, uh, other groups don't have. So. Um, but yeah, it's, it's my, my sales guy. He said, you know what? I'd rather be in a, a competitive landscape because I think we have like the best product from an efficiency standpoint. And I, I tend to agree. I, I agree with that.
0: 100%, man. I mean, I, I mean, honestly, having competition is like a beautiful thing. It's, it's something sometimes people kind of look negatively on it. But uh, if you don't have any competition, you're probably in a space that people don't really have a need, <laughs> you know? That's right. And, That's right. And, exactly.
1: And, and you know what's crazy is we were one of like 10 telemedicine companies um, you know, before the, uh, coronavirus hit afterward, there's now 200, you know, (laughs) that's crazy. (laughs) Yeah. It's like, okay, well, I guess we're in the right space at the right time. but, um, But it's amazing how, uh, you know, we were one of the first ones here and we've got all these years of experience understanding like what people need. And it takes those years of understanding to be able to make a good platform. So I always talk about that. I think you know, we, we found some unique things that we were able to do to help people, um, you know, the support side, understanding, you know, when they had issues and, and those, those types of insights were, were things we gathered up along the way.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, you know, one of the biggest opportunities too, I think in healthcare is this mode that we can get into more collaboration over like just purely competition. Cause there's so much, there's so many sick people out there. Let's be honest. A lot, a lot of people need, yeah. need, a lot of services and different therapies that are out there, that um, you know, lots of healthcare providers are bringing to the bringing to the actual table, and it's it's like, man, we can get so much more done together than we can try to you know box each other out because there's so many different buckets for us to fill here, right?
1: Yeah, um, that's so true, and I feel like you know we all need to be somehow figuring out how to collaborate around the patient because it's all about the patient, right? Yeah. and if we can you know bring certain platforms together to better take care of the patient. We're doing we're doing something, you know, good for society. You know, the more competition obviously is great, but like if we can come together around the patient, that's what it's all about. I mean, that's what we're, you know, here on the earth to do hopefully, you know, if you're a good person, you're trying to do something good for another human being, that's how you make your business work or whatever. I mean, that's that's what it comes down to. So, the more we all work together, the more we're collaborating around the patient, the better. And, don't get me wrong I, I love to compete I'm an athlete you know and I enjoy that um and that's fine and there's a time for that but I think also coming together and figuring out like what works for the patient is really I think the the thing that'll make make businesses go well in the future and and, and do good things for the for the patient in the future too so
0: Couldn't agree more man. could couldn't agree more so, so really quick what's your sport by the way he you says you're an uh, athlete yeah
1: well I played I played soccer but then I ended up running uh in college. So I was I started running, I ran track and cross country and um so I, I started like when I was maybe in high school and then um then got into that. So um but loved it. It was great um and you know, I had a lot of good friends and learned how to how to be a little tougher, which was good.
0: <laughs> that it you know what, it would definitely do that. So what's your fastest mile time?
1: Uh, <laughs> it was like 4:16 was my mile, but I was like a I was like a distance guy. So <laughs>
0: We're 16. That's, that's phenomenal, man. That's unheard of. Yeah, thank it, you it, it, you Dude, know, were you a, were you a runner too, or? You know what? I've been more so into like powerlifting. So I was a powerlifter oh, nice. all my all my life and I beat the crap out of my joints. So I talked to a couple of your buddies at one point. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> and then as of recently I've got into like running just because it's just, you know, all the gyms been closed. And so I decided to kind of get back into the streets and run a little
1: bit. So yeah, it's been, yeah. it's been it's good. It's good. It's good. It's good stress relief. It's great to get out there. It's good for your body. Mm-hmm. um I've, I've always enjoyed it because all you got to do is you got to grab your tennis shoes you know you just get on get your shoes on it you go out the door and get a few miles in so i've enjoyed I, it 100 percent.
0: and you don't got to think it's just like you know mindless type of activity you can kind of yeah. truly like unplug for a little bit so yeah i've, yeah. I, I've been loving it but yeah. t- tell me about the future for you guys because we're about to wrap up and i want to see where are you guys are taking it, and what's your thoughts about where we're going?
1: Yeah, cool. And so, you know, the future for uh, Ortho Live and actually Spring Health Live. So, Spring Health Live is our our sister platform, and what we do there is we take care of um, you know outside groups outside of orthopedics. You know, groups that are you know maybe um, in internal medicine, pediatrics, ophthalmology, and those areas. But what we want to do is we want to create a network of physicians that work, um, you know, under the telemedicine platform. Allow them to kind of work with insurers, um, with um, self-insured employers, things like that, uh, and really create a team of physicians that handle patients uh, virtually. And so, trying to, you know, create that network is kind of what we're about in the future. Uh, we've seen a lot of growth uh, with you know, um, self-insured employers um, with uh, hospital systems, things like that. So we're, we're seeing a lot of growth in that area. And I think that's really where it's at for us is not, not so much focusing on, you know, the, uh, the platform, which we've already, I think, nailed and done well with, but like going beyond that and saying, all right, how do we bring our providers together to um, make it some type of uh, platform that's going to allow uh, us to take care of patients with whatever problem they might have. So
0: a real network effect. I love that,
1: man. Yeah. That's great. I, and it's fun. It's, it's, um, it's a good thing because I think we've got the ability to help, um, you know, larger systems, larger groups of people that way.
0: You, you know, and, and even up one of these points that I think is crucial when we talked about employers paying for the actual insurance, are you thinking that's going to be more of an actual uptick or are you think that's going to kind of level off what's your whole thoughts? That's, on
1: Wow. That's a great question. I think that's, that's a loaded question a little bit because <laughs> I'm wondering like, you know, what is going to happen when, you know, power swings, um, you know, at the presidential level, are we going to, you know, we'll probably see more of a democratic swing, I think over the next, you know, four years, and maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. Um, you know, but bottom line is that, you know, we could end up with a single pair system, you know, and if, if that were to occur, um, you know, we may not see as much of the self-insured employer, um, needing, uh, you know, things because everybody might have healthcare at that point in time and the healthcare, you know, um, who pays for healthcare may switch over to the federal government. So we'll have to see. I mean, I I think if, if we sort of stay in like the middle ground where we are right now, I think we'll still see growth in the self-insured employer market. If we go single payer, all bets are off. I I don't know, you know, what's going to happen then. I mean, I really don't. So, but it'll be interesting. And I think, you know, people talk about single payer and in the U S it seems like that'll maybe never happen. But I mean, the way things are going right now, um, you know, politically, socially, it may happen. We may see like this huge shift. I I, I don't know. I mean, that's um, that's that's a it's a question uh, that I don't have the answer to, but I think is is a good one.
0: You know, you know, I mean, i honestly, I don't claim to have any answers at all either. Whenever it comes to this, I mean, you know, this is purely speculation. But uh, if I can give you my two cents, is that yeah. you know, it's funny how over in Europe, you know, they have a lot of single payers over there, and, and and there's still a need for a lot of these services still, because uh, you, know, you, you have other issues, like long wait times, and still, you don't want to travel three hours if you're coming from somewhere that's like in the middle of the country, which I think is going to be a growing, where most of the population is going to move if they can do more remote work, like, I know a lot of people that, that have left the bay and moved to, you know, the middle of the country and want to just have more land and, and kind of relax. So. I think there will be interesting opportunities either way, hopefully. At least that's my hope.
1: <laughs> no no question. I, I hope uh, hope so too. And, um, you know, it's, a physician's always worried about like a single-payer system. Yes. <laughs> so maybe that, that just popped into my head. But I do think, um, you know, things are going to change. They're going to shift a little bit over the next four years. But we'll see, you know, to what degree. And as long as there's, um, you know, opportunity, there's always going to be a need for a, a network of people that are going to be able to take good care of patients. So. I feel like we we always will have a niche.
0: Agreed, agreed, man. I mean, you know, I don't see people wanting to turn down this uh, efficiency. It's just so convenient, right? To be able to right. actually-
1: especially especially in like a, an area where you don't have a lot of physicians mm-hmm. and you want an expert, it's hard to deliver on that outside of telemedicine. I always felt like you know, if you put the best doctors, you know, in the right places, you know, you can reach pretty much anybody and that goes you know around the world it's not just in the US but and I think that's important I mean I think we ought to make ourselves available that way so that you know the best um, surgeons the best you know physicians out there can take care of people and uh, and you know do do good work so
0: Mike I think you're spot on man I love what you guys are up to I love the fact that you guys are you know trying to trying to create something during this doing this craziness actually it was already built so you guys are ready for this craziness but
1: (laughs) but thank you i appreciate joe i mean it's been uh, it's been a lot of fun i've enjoyed being on the show um it's been great uh you're uh you're a lot of fun to talk to i appreciate it
0: no man great great conversation great back and forth but please tell the audience how to find you and if they want to learn more about the platform please just kind of plug away (laughs)
1: Yeah, absolutely. So um, yeah, you can go on to www.ortholive.com and also www.springhealthlive.com. They can find out more about what we're doing and how we're trying to make the world a, a little bit better.
0: Love it. Love it. I'll have all those details and actual show notes and Dr. Mike, we're out of here. Boom.